0: He is risen. risen Amen. Christians since the first century have been declaring that truth every Easter morning. He is risen. risen You know, resurrection is such a blessing to us in the church. It is the very cornerstone of our faith. It's an honor. It's a holy privilege to be standing before you today to preach the good news of resurrection. I'm preaching From Luke 24 and preaching from the story of the two travelers on the road to Emmaus. I was thinking last night, I've preached 35 Easter sermons, and this is the first time I've ever preached from this passage, and so I'm excited about it. You know, resurrection means more to me today because of the death of Lynn's dad recently and the death of my own dad we both have the assurance that we will see them again because of the promise of resurrection. You know, my dad was a fixer. He, he could fix anything. Cars, appliance, plumbing, carpentry. He was always amazed that I couldn't do that, right? Anybody out there a fixer and, you know, you can fix anything and I just, I just, I ain't got nothing, you know, and, uh, but my dad could fix anything. He worked 30 years in a steel mill fixing things If the blast furnace broke, my dad could fix it. One of the earliest things I remember my dad fixing happened when I was seven years old. At the age of five, my sister and I were removed from our mother by social services and placed in a foster care, a foster home, while my dad was in the Navy. When my dad came home from the Navy, he came and rescued us from foster care. He he came and tried to fix the problem. Now my dad made some poor choices in his life and had three failed marriages, four children, and he kept trying to fix some of those mistakes. And Maybe you're here today and you've made a mess of things and you're trying to fix the mess. After I became a Christian, I would share faith with my dad and I would talk to him about becoming a believer. And my dad would always tell me, well, I've made a mess and I need to fix things. And once I get everything fixed, then I'll give my life to Jesus. And I would tell my dad, dad, you need to invite Jesus to fix your heart. And when Jesus fixes your heart, he will show you how to fix your messes. See, in life we experience all kinds of disappointments, and we, and we spend a lot of time trying to fix those problems or those disappointments, unexpected disappointments. And if you look at the Easter story here in Luke 24, you, you see the followers of Jesus, they're disappointed because all they know is that Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried in a tomb. I want to pick up the reading in Luke 24 and verse 13. I'd ask you to stand if you would this morning as we read the scripture and you'll be up on the screen. You can look at it and read it with me. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, which means they stood still. Sadness, disappointment written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. (laughs) Can't you see Jesus playing along with them? What things? He replied, he asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God in all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Israel. And this all happened three days ago. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, may this word, your word, come alive in our hearts this morning. Lord, speak to us through your Holy Spirit, promised by the resurrected Lord Jesus, to come upon (laughs) us and to guide us and to teach us. And Father God, I pray you would change hearts and lives here today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So you have these two followers leaving Jerusalem, leaving the band of disciples, going back to perhaps their home in Emmaus. We have one of them named Cleopas. We don't name kids Cleopas much anymore. So who was Cleopas? We, we find him not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. The early Orthodox and Catholic historians speculate that Cleopas might have been the brother of Joseph who was Jesus' father, and that that would have made him the uncle, step-uncle of Jesus. So he's walking, he and his companion, devastated by the death of Jesus. Their dreams of a Messiah have been dashed. They put all their hope in Jesus, only to see him falsely accused arrested, beaten, put on trial, and crucified on a cruel cross. And those words almost sound cruel. We had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was going to be the Messiah. You know, the scriptures had promised a Messiah, and they believed that Jesus was the one. In fact, Jesus had declared that he was the Son of God. What were they looking for? They were looking for a Messiah who would fix their problems, who would fix the political mess, who would overthrow the oppressive Roman government and set them free. And yet they saw him humiliated on a cross, crucified, dead, and buried. And it's three days since it happened. One day, La Cruz, a... 15th century monk monk said this, "But when we miss the voice of God in our disappointment, it's called the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. When we suffer and we believe that God is silent and we don't know where God is, this past week we had Holy Week. We had Monday, Thursday, celebration here at the church. We observed Holy Communion. Remember the the night when Jesus had his last supper with the disciples before he was arrested and they carried him away to be tried? Then we have Good Friday where we remember and celebrate that Jesus died on a cross. His blood was shed, we believe, to wash away our sins, our mistakes. But what about Saturday? Saturday. You know, we have Easter. We're here on Easter Sunday. What about Saturday? Saturday, Jesus was in the tomb, dead. We don't have a name for Saturday. We got Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. What about Saturday? What about Silent Saturday? What about Shattered Saturday? What about Stunned Saturday? These disciples' dreams were shattered They had hoped that Jesus was the one, yet Jesus is dead, hope is gone, and God is silent. And maybe you've found yourself in, in a place like that. Suffering in the silence of God, in the dark night of the soul, crying out, how could God let this happen? Where was God at when I needed him? How could have I misunderstood God's plan? What now? What's next? Where do I go? It's questions like this that fill our mind during the dark night of the soul. It's when we're in that deepest darkness and things are just falling apart. It leads to a cursed confusion. Sometimes leads to awful anger because God appears to be silent. All the world watched when the fire broke out in the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France. A historic, beautiful sanctuary burnt, devastated. And maybe you saw this picture as a reminder that God is still in charge, that God is still present. What a powerful reminder that the cross of Jesus Christ still stands, no matter how things crumble and feel shattered around us. That reminds me that God is not done with us. There's unexpected disappointments, but also there are unexpected appointments. As these followers continue along the road, they have an appointment to keep. Jesus has appeared to them. They don't know it yet, and they continue the conversation. They, they pick it up here they, they, in verse 22. They, they, they say, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They, they said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the woman had said. So here you have some confused disciples. You know, we saw him crucified. We, we saw him buried in the tomb and, and now his body's missing. And perhaps they had heard the rumor that the Romans had come and stole his body. Because you see, Jesus had already predicted or prophesied or told them that on the third day he would rise again. But in their grief, in their sadness, had lost that thought. How many of us, whenever we are going through a difficult time, we forget our faith? We forget the promises of God. We wonder where God is at. And we forget all the things that God has said to us or God has done for us or God has done in us. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you foolish people. Now, looking at the word foolish there, he doesn't mean you're, they were fools, they just lacked understanding. They lacked the understanding. You, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27 Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. These two disciples were walking in grief. They weren't looking for Jesus. They had left Jesus in Jerusalem in a tomb. But guess what? Jesus was looking for them. He was on the road looking for them. And I would say to you today, it's not a mistake that you're here. God has a divine appointment for you. God is looking for you they didn't find Jesus, Jesus found them. I didn't find Jesus at the age of 14, he found me. It was through a neighbor. It was through other people that discipled me that pointed me toward Jesus. One of the great things that happened when Lynn and I were in Missouri is my dad came out to visit us and we never forget him sitting down in a chair and, and pulled out a Bible and began to read from his Bible and he said, hey, Jesus found me. And now he has fixed my heart. And now he's gonna help me put my life back together again. You see, that can happen to all of us here today because of a divine appointment. You know, being blind or not seeing God's plan doesn't change God's plan. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He wants you and I to live into that. God kept them from recognizing him. Have you always been intrigued by that verse? Well, why was it that God didn't allow those two followers to recognize Jesus immediately? Maybe because of their sadness, their grief, they just couldn't see him. Maybe, perhaps, again, they didn't expect to ever see him again alive. But haven't you also learned that sometimes in your darkest places, in, in, the, in the dark night of the soul is when you can get some reality? Things start maybe to come a little clearer to you. What's important? really becomes important. What matters really matters. Perhaps God wanted them to get in touch with that. But also I think it's this. I think that if Jesus had been recognizable to them, they would have missed everything he wanted to teach them. See, he wanted to teach them the scriptures. He wanted them to understand what the scripture said. From Moses, the Genesis, all the way through the prophets. And can't you imagine that if they had recognized Jesus This has been their reaction. (laughs) You're alive. You're alive, Jesus. You're alive. This is amazing. Yeah, but I want to teach you something. No, 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 Jesus. We'll get to that later because this is amazing. Let's talk about how did this happen? How did this resurrection? That you were dead in the tomb. But Jesus wanted them to learn something. Too oftentimes we get hung up in experience and feelings about things. We get all excited or we get all upset, and we don't spend any time in the scriptures learning what is clearly said about Jesus in the scriptures. And church, I want to say to you, don't don't forget the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very much a part of the revelation of God's plan and God's purpose. In fact, Jesus, get this, he used the entire Old Testament to explain who he was. He went from Genesis to the prophets and and showed how he was revealed at all of that. You You know what he was doing? He was saying to them, that he was the voice in the burning bush that called out to Moses to go set my people free. He was the suffering servant that Isaiah chapter 53 talks about and defines a one-time offering the gift of salvation that would come through a suffering servant. Jesus was saying to, you, to them, in the Old Testament, I am the Passover lamb. I am the lamb of God that was laid as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Jesus was declaring to them, I am the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. You see, they didn't want to know about a suffering Messiah. They wanted to have a Messiah who would fix their problems. My friends, we have a Messiah who wants to fix our hearts. And then he guides us and gives us the strength to fix our problems. And sometimes he uses our problems to shape us into the men and women that he wants us to be. To the world, the cross appears to be a stumbling block. It's too hard. It's too difficult. But to those who believe in Jesus, it is the hope of salvation. I love what First Peter, Peter wrote in First Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. The great Dr. Billy Graham, who is celebrating Easter in heaven, said this, if the bones of Jesus lie decayed in a grave, then there is no good news and the world is still in darkness. Life has no meaning at all. The New Testament is a myth and Christianity is a fable. And millions of people, living and dead, are victims of a gigantic hoax if the resurrection is not real. But we are here to declare that the Bible says that it's real. And I can point to people all across this audience, throughout this church, that I know your life has been changed by the resurrected Jesus. He's taken away guilt, he's taken away hurt. He's taken away sins, he's given you new beginnings and new opportunities and new starts. So out of resurrection comes unexpected possibilities. Unexpected possibilities. I I wanna continue to read here through the passage because I want the word of God to speak to you. Just as Jesus opened the word of God up, I just wanna read the word of God. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went in the home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread, blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly, suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Their eyes were opened. Our team. Our prayer warriors, our men's prayer breakfast on Friday morning, prayed that today eyes would be opened to recognize that Jesus is the resurrected Savior of the world. I saw a couple of the older gentlemen that come to prayer breakfast over in a sanctuary and their eyes were this big. And they said, Man, did you see that parking lot? And people came. It's amazing. And let me just say about. Some of you got here late because you couldn't get in the parking lot and, and traffic was terrible. And go back and listen to that first song the worship team did, it was amazing. I asked them if they could do it at the end but they said that would be too hard. So, so y'all go back and listen to it. Ain't no grave gonna hold Jesus down because of the resurrection, a powerful song. We've been praying that eyes would be open. You know, the greatest fact of human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because hope is restored. Can you hear? Can you read the hope in this passage? The hope is restored in in, in these two followers of Jesus. Over in the sanctuary, they're singing, "Because He lives, what is it? I can, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow." I love how the Spanish version says, "Because He lives, I will triumph tomorrow." Possibilities unexpected. And maybe you came here today afraid of death, afraid of the future. If you will invite the risen Lord Jesus into your life, your life can be full of unexpected possibilities. I love what Eugene Peterson said. He said, the Bible is not a script for a funeral service, but it is the record of God always bringing life. We expected to find death. Everywhere it is the story of resurrection, resurrection, First Peter says, chapter three, verse 22, Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. Did you hear that? Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. That's not my words. It's his words. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He will have the last word on everyone, from angels to armies. And today, he's standing right alongside God, and what he says goes Possibilities are enormous because of the resurrection of Jesus. I love in the passage, as they sat down to eat, their eyes were opened. They recognized him. Today, it is my prayer that your eyes, my eyes are open to the possibilities. And out of that comes unexpected opportunities. Unexpected opportunities. They said to each other, verse 32, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. See, they had not recognized Jesus yet. They, they have not figured out who he was yet. But because he spoke to them, because he opened the scriptures to them, the Bible did them, their hearts began to burn. It wasn't heartburn. <laughs> it was burning hearts. Their hearts, something stirred in their hearts, and it happened to me when I was 14. Something stirred in my heart. Happened to my dad in 1984. Something stirred in his heart. And many of you can speak to that in your heart. You heard the word about Jesus. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled, frightened, and thinking they were seeing a ghost. Thinking they were seeing a ghost. You know, my friends, one of the things that I jumps out at me in this passage of scripture, is that in their confusion, of not understanding what was going on, Jesus did not condemn their doubt. This is, a, this is an amazing event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we proclaim this. We're the only religion in the world that proclaims that the resurrection of the dead. It was hard for these followers to get it, but they weren't condemned for their doubt. God is not threatened by your doubt. He welcomes your questions. He welcomes your searching. He wants you to to, to dig a little deeper. You know, God is not like some neurotic parent that only has to hear good things from his kids. He can handle our questions. And he appeared to them and taught them. I think that uh, right relationship will end up changing our thinking. It's a relationship with God that changes our thinking. In May 24, 1738, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was attending a Bible study on Aldersgate Street in London, England. John Wesley had not founded anything. He was a very religious person. He he, he, He did all kinds of religious stuff. He had been a missionary in Georgia but he did not have the assurance of salvation. He read the Bible from cover to cover, but he didn't know in his heart. And isn't it amazing in his testimony, he wrote in his journal that as someone read the preface, the preface of the book of Romans, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And then I knew beyond a shadow of doubt that my sins were forgiven and that I no longer needed to fear the law or death. You see, hearts strangely warmed whenever God moves in our hearts. Today, do you need to have your heart warmed to the word of God, to the love of God? Again, I believe you're here because of a divine appointment, an unexpected appointment. One of the great passages of the New Testament is Revelation 3.20, where it shows, or John the Revelator writes about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Knocking on the door, knocking on the door of our hearts. That's when we begin to feel our hearts stirring. Something going on in my life right now. I don't know what this is, but something's speaking to me. I need to do something. And Jesus says, whoever opens a door, I will come in and be with him and he with me. These two followers invited Jesus into their home and Jesus came into their life and it changed their life forever. Today, you have the opportunity to respond just to open the door of your heart. Step out in faith and say, I want to invite Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, into my heart, into my life. And just, just see what he does. Take, take a leap of faith. I challenge you to take a leap of faith and trust him with your life. And then, then what they did was they, they, uh, they began to hear the scriptures. You need to read the scriptures We've got some Bibles for you in a few minutes. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles available. If you need a Bible, we gave out a bunch of them in the other, in the other service, in both rooms. And we have others available. And in a minute, I'm gonna ask if you need one. Because Jesus opened the scriptures to them and they, their hearts were warmed. And then they went and told. Isn't great? They, 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 you know, they had invited Jesus, this, this stranger they thought, into their home because it was dangerous on the road. It was dark. Seven miles. And what did they do as soon as they recognized it was Jesus? They got back on the road in the danger in the dark and headed to Jerusalem because they had something to tell. And I believe when we really get to know Jesus Christ, we've got something to tell. There's a world out there dying to hear that Jesus Christ is real and he does change lives and he changed my life. And so they could say it's not over. Will you say it with me? It's not over. It is not over. It is just the beginning. It is just the beginning. One final passage I wanna read to you. Follow along with me here, Hebrews 12. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, and that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Hope into your souls. Can't you see that happening to those two followers on the road? They got a shot of hope in their heart. That there are some possibilities and there's some opportunities. So this morning, if you're here today, I wanna ask you to do three things. Will you rely on his presence? He appeared to the disciples. He wants to appear to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he promises peace. Nobody in this room wants to turn away peace. He says to them in this chapter, my peace I give to you. Rely on his power. You can't live this Christian life on your own power. I I fail miserably when I get on my own power. but, But through his power, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and then rely on his plan. God has a plan for your life. This is a divine appointment today. It's a part of his plan. You were meant to be here today, but this is not the end of the plan. This is the beginning of the plan for the rest of your life that God has for you. You know, my dad, a few months ago, ran into something he couldn't fix. The doctors couldn't fix it. The specialists couldn't fix it. Chemo couldn't fix it. His body was worn out by cancer. But my dad had faith in the one who could fix it. Because of his faith in Jesus Christ, because of his hope in the resurrection, he knew that when his eyes closed here on the earth, they would would open again, looking into the face of Jesus. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus To the very end, there's a song we're going to close with. It's a great old hymn called Blessed Assurance. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I want you to have a foretaste of glory divine. My dad had a foretaste of glory divine, and all of us can too. So if you need a Bible this morning, as our team comes out, Just raise your hand and and wherever you're at, and I'm gonna say a prayer. While I'm praying, if you just raise your hand, our ushers are gonna come, and they're gonna have these Bibles available. Gracious God, I I thank you that you're among us here today. Even as you appeared to those followers on the road to Emmaus, through the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, you're here in this room. And Father God, you are knocking on the door of our hearts, and you're inviting us to receive you into our lives. And Father God, I pray that right now that we will take this moment to open the door and let you begin to fix our broken hearts, reshape our shattered dreams, and give us new life. Not just life here on the planet, but eternal life, a foretaste of glory divine. So Father God, as we receive you today, we give you praise. Thank you, Father God, for warming our hearts, changing our hearts, changing our lives. Changing our direction. And thank you for the enormous opportunities that are here in this room. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.